0: This week on Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh, we're talking with Diana Patet, cocktail expert extraordinaire and bicycle advocate. But first, the disclaimer.
1: The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Esbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. This is Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. Oh, hello. It is July 20th, and we are on our fourth podcast. We're here to talk about everything Asbury Park and whatever else Joe and I feel like talking about today. Right. We're doing two a month, and we are increasingly getting more listeners. It's like 11. It's shocking. Um, I'm waiting for people to stop me in the street and, and talk to me about the podcast and ask me for my autograph. So today we are here with Diane briquet and we...
0: Did you say briquette?
1: I did say briquette. You know <laughs> why? Because we've been joking and it's Diana Patet.
0: Right. We were using briquette as a mnemonic to remember the pronunciation.
1: Yes. Um, and I have a couple of house cleaning Esbury Park things I want to talk to everybody about. And it basically has to do with transportation.
0: So was there drama this week?
1: There was drama this week. Um, the electric electric scooters were set to launch on July 24th, which was, which is Wednesday. Um, There was an issue where they're holding the scooters. So these scooters, obviously they're electric, so they have to get recharged. So they're picked up, brought to a place to charge and then brought back. And for whatever reason, ocean township denied the ordinance that would have allowed this to happen. So they're looking for new space, but we feel fairly confident that the scooter program is going to launch on the 31st. Um, so scooters go out and we're Manzella did say it was only going to be between 30 and 50, although it appears to be a hundred and go big or go home.
0: Right. So we, we've we caught Manzella in a terrible lie. We
1: have. Um, so the scooters are going to have about 30 locations all over and there's going to be one on third, uh, where Joe and I live and, uh, starting with about a hundred scooters to eventually go to 200.
0: It's going to be right by the school.
1: It's going to be by the, well, I think it's actually going to be by my house. Yeah. I think it's actually going to be next to my house.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Well, well I think
1: he needs people to say yes to these. Right. And how in, how in God's name, being the biggest advocate of scooters, could I be like, no, you can't put one in front of my house? Although, you know, my mom's like, I don't want scooters. Well, I think- I don't want scooters. Here. I, I think Why do I have scooters This is here? great
0: public policy. You thought of it. You ride it.
1: Right. So I, of course, told him that we he could put a um, a scooter station in front of my house and I will deal with um, all the people who, who are going to be annoyed by that, which I'm sure is going to be numerous, numerous people. And our next big initiative is valet parking. So the interesting thing with scooters and valet parking are the people who hate scooters and valet parking are also the people who complain about parking in Asbury Park. So they want to complain about parking in Asbury Park. But when we bring in initiatives to try to alleviate that issue, they scream and yell about that as well.
0: Is the issue that the only Resolution they're interested in is the building of massive, massive parking decks all
1: over the city. They would put one in your backyard and mine if, if at all humanly possible. So uh, Valley Parking is starting on July or started on July eighteenth. The first booth was at Press Plaza, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four thirty to eleven thirty. And essentially, you drop your car off, you go to dinner at one of our phenomenal restaurants, or see a show, or read a book, or go to a movie, and then or make some blow some glass and then you text Do you know there's a show them.
0: about that now? Have you seen that show? I haven't. No, we'll talk about that later.
1: Okay. Um, you text, you download the app, you let them know when you're coming, and they bring you your car. I mean, truly, how can somebody complain about that?
0: Well, there's a will, there's a way. Um, where do they put the cars?
1: all over the city. So um, mainly, so city hall has like a a lot of parking that nobody takes advantage of, not in the lot facing main street, but the lot on the other side of the train station. Um, Nobody ever parks there. No, no no matter how many initiatives we give to tell people to park there, they don't. So that's one of the spots they're going to hold a bunch of cars. Do
0: you know where people do park? Where? Um, The Rite Aid parking lot. I was talking to the manager of the Rite Aid on main street. To
1: go downtown, to go hang out downtown.
0: To go to the beach. So I went in there to pick up uh, water or something, and his parking lot was 100% full, and there was nobody in the store. And I said, who are all the people parked in your lot? And he said that they are people going to the beach. Oh, Um, that's got to be irritating for him.
1: And can we just take a second and recognize, because Joe and I lived here a long time, the fact that you have to park on Main Street to get to a beach that you could have six years ago literally parked on ocean ave and been one of three people on the beach
0: right it's quite a a change and he's very good about it he said you know we're not going to chase them away but it wasn't i you know i thought it's like there seems to be some maybe a run on flu shots or something and there was you know just a normal crowd in there of people who had walked Uh, anyway
1: so those are my two big things um valet parking and the the scooter program. I mean, I can go through Springwood Ave concerts and performance art at seven fifteen on Second Ave. Um, but I, I'm going to leave the rest of the events to you because my week has been um, fighting people who hate scooters and who now also hate valet parking. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't like the idea of coming out of a restaurant and having your car there.
0: Yeah, the latter. I mean, I'm. I'm well, I don't understand the latter. I understand the people who don't like scooters. I think, I get it. Um, so um, did you go to the concert on spring with this week?
1: I did or, not. was it Why cancer because I... of rain? Oh, no. I had public art.
0: Okay. Um, what was public? Oh. Public art commission. Your spicy commission.
1: They are a very spicy commission. And we are going to have Jen Hampton on our show at some point, who's mm-hmm. going to talk about how she manages to corral all those cats.
0: I did go to the uh, parlor opening on Saturday with their partnership with the uh, New Orleans Gallery. It was great, as usual. Um, once I win the lottery, I plan to buy all of her stuff.
1: Me too. So,
0: um, although she has affordable pieces. That's not fair. I mean, she's a really wonderful um, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. So.
1: Absolutely. Oh, I know I meant to tell you this before and I forgot. You know, uh, because I'm new, a little new on podcast, um, so I've been Googling how to make a successful podcast so I can one day quit my job both um, as a lawyer and as deputy mayor and then just get paid to do this right, and buckets payments. and buckets of money um, <laughs> buckets. and s- buckets of money just hand it to me in a bucket and i'll yeah. separate it out sure. um but so i'm googling how do you make a successful podcast and do you know what the number one thing on how to make a successful podcast is uh,
0: stunning good looks
1: it is not um <laughs> it's Lucky sound which has been fascinating to me because I feel like every episode our sound is is improving. And, and let me be really clear: I have absolutely nothing to do with the sound. I couldn't. I have no idea what those buttons are or wires in front of me. But you are improving our sound every week.
0: Well, that's <clears throat> we're getting a little better because we started from zero, and so you know we've got some nice feedback from friends. You know, notably, you know, I didn't realize until last week. That Mike pointed out or the week before Mike had come on that you could only hear us in the left ear mm-hmm. uh, because the way I was listening during the mixing so we fixed that and this week I've drafted a local Asbury resident at Ford uh, who happens to have um, Hey Ed Ed is waving um, We don't, have, we don't have enough mics for Ed to be on <laughs> right. the air So but Mike had uh, three microphones of the same species uh, uh, so now we are talking on three identical microphones unlike the hodgepodge of
1: so how long until i'm rich and famous
0: oh i don't know the glaciers are melting fast so maybe, maybe not that long ago. i don't know I, I i think we still have some sound issues ed and i were working on upgrading this board also that's the next uh, step so we'll see hopefully um each week gets a little better and um uh, and the, we move on to buckets of money although again we have to reiterate we none of us get paid for this this is uh I lose money. Yes. Truly. That's true. Yeah, I, mean, you have, um, I
1: lose money and I get grief. Right.
0: Thankfully, nobody knows who I am. So no one said anything to me. So, um,
1: Although I will say everybody so far, and we've kept it a little on the down low, but yeah. everybody so far has been extraordinarily complimentary. Shout out to the Santander ladies. Right. You're and amazing. Thank you for continuing to listen.
0: Well, that's what happens when only our, we tell only our friends. I think right. We, and I keep kids. it
1: off Facebook. I feel like as long as I can keep it off Facebook.
0: Like everything. Yeah. So a couple of things coming up uh that i was looking at the visionary arts tattoo festival at the convention center july 26th to 28th at the convention center if you are into tattoos it's quite an event um uh, there will be burlesque shows some side uh, circus sideshow acts uh, a pin-up contest as well as a speedo contest Ooh, you're not into that
1: well i'm into burlesque the speedo contest will pass
0: no okay yeah i
1: Men should never wear speedos. I'm just telling you, and I'm not saying that as a lesbian. Mm. I'm saying that as a woman.
0: As a woman, you
1: should never wear a speedo, no no matter how gorgeous you think your body is.
0: Well, I I mean, my, yeah, I think speedos are functional, right? They're designed to for swimming, not perhaps walking around. Well, running around they look kind of ridiculous, right? Um, And then they have what they politely call half pint brawlers, huh? Which I feel, according to the advertisement, looks a lot like what we used to call midget wrestling. So it's little people wrestling. I don't think we say midget anymore. They do on the picture. I was like, Oh, so
1: I'm wildly uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) I know me too. I was just like, that's a weird thing to have. Right. Like I I think the tattoo convention is really interesting. I was like, I was on board with everything, everything. And it said little people wrestling. I was like, that's a weird thing. And they, the the picture on the thing, gentleman on the picture says the shirt says got midgets, which I, I was like,
1: Ooh, yeah, no. I, I also feel like I cannot, I'm not, you know, it's like it's similar when people say, like, I can say the word dyke because I'm a dyke, yeah. but other people can't say that word. No, I, I feel like I can't say the word midget.
0: And I, I feel like I I didn't mean to, like, you know, might even cut this whole segment out. <laughs> to be honest. Because okay. So, so I, I'll stop it. And when I one. say
1: the word dyke, I am speaking as Amy Quinn, not as the deputy mayor oh. of Asbury Park. Oh, I'm
0: not the dyke part, But like, you know, I was trying to say like half pint brawlers. It was like a weird, I you know. Anyway, the tattoos look awesome, and so does everyone I think the, the, um, the brawlers put on a good show. I, I did take a look at um, their videos. So uh, Sunday 28th, uh, the July 28th on the summer stage. You know, um, the flaming lips and, are, are coming, and uh, you know, they're good. I, I don't know if we can go on a Sunday. But I thought the interesting thing, the opening act is Claypool Lennon, so Sean Lennon's partnership with Les Claypool from Primus, and my default position would be to not like their music because of Sean Lennon. Even though I really like uh, Primus, but surprisingly, the Claypool Lennon music I really like. I listened to it recently, and I could not hate it when I really tried. So, um, interesting that they're coming. So check them out. Uh, in you know, and I remember last week I in- in- mentioned that I my musical taste skew old, so in keeping with the old. Uh, My old tastes. The Glenn Miller Orchestra is playing Tim McClune's on the Mm. thirty-first. I think Glenn looks great here, Uh, so you can check them out. And in the category things I wish I knew about when I was twenty, there's Mario Kart tournament at the Asbury Lanes on Wednesday the twenty-fourth. I would have tore that up in the (laughs) mid-nineties. I think my reflexes have slowed. You know, but that's all. That's all I have. I was a little lazy on events. Uh, this week um, inadvertently and um, that's all I got in terms of things that are coming do you have anything else that you want to talk about
1: I don't I'm ready to get to Diana yeah.
0: so um, right so we'll be right back and
1: I should say, actually, before we get to Diana, we also had Carrie Martin, who we adore, who is the loveliest of lovelies, who right. runs Second Life Bikes, been right. in town forever, also doesn't have a car. Yeah. And she is extraordinarily short-staffed, and this is apparently her busiest time of year. So when I say, like, 10 minutes ago, can you get to my podcast, right. um, perhaps I need to plan that a little better for somebody who essentially sells and runs bikes. Right. during who has, a, who has the, a business. The peak season in asbury park
0: yeah we uh we had gone ahead and uh scheduled carrie without letting her know
1: yeah um, and move forward with that yeah
0: so uh, and
1: diana i mean it was carrie and diana so this good. is we're gonna get carrie back when she doesn't have 200 people in her shop on a saturday in you know a heat wave
0: yeah i thought she you know what you thought was a perfectly reasonable request sounded like crazy talk of and course she was like, what are, you, are you nuts so uh which might be true also all right so we'll be right back with uh, diana Asbury Pod gratefully acknowledges the support of Words, Asbury Park's only independent bookstore, offering new and gently used books for all readers. Words also hosts a range of literary and social events for adults and children. Located on 623 Cookman Avenue, Words is open every day, save Tuesday from noon to 5. Stop by and say hello. I think we're back.
1: Okay. We're talking all things Asbury Park with Esberry Pod, mm. and Joe's pointing at something which is throwing me off, and now I remember. We wanna give, He's he never listens to this show, and he won't ever listen, I can't even get him to come on the show. Yeah. Um, but we wanna give a happy birthday to John Moore. Oh well,
2: yes, yeah, happy I birthday. I know, happy
1: birthday, and I have to say, so I oftentimes tell John Moore to fuck off, or fuck himself, or mm-hmm. get the fuck away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I truly, truly adore that guy. During
0: council meetings, or just?
1: Sometimes I write the on the a piece of paper, <laughs> Buck off <laughs> when he's trying to get me to do something yeah. I don't want to do. Um, Wegmans
0: desire. A lot of
1: conflict there. Uh, I have to say, so when John Moore and I ran together in 2013, and nobody thought any of us would win, and um, John Moore got six more votes than me, mm-hmm. um, which is still irritating to me, uh, extremely irritating to me. But I can honestly say he is truly... Um, the best mayor Asbury has ever had yeah. and not a guy into moving up the political ladder nor really are any of us and um, makes decisions based on what's in the best interest of Esbury Park and is just generally a decent guy. He's a great father. He's a great friend and he's a he's a great husband. So nobody repeat, I said nice things about John Moore. If he asks, just say, I said, go fuck off, John.
0: Right. To the 11 people out there, mm. um, just mums the word.
1: Mums the word. All Although right. I think we got more listeners with Manzella.
0: Uh, Well, Mike's fans are not listening this week. Yeah, Mike is a very popular guy. Although we've exposed him as a liar. Although
1: we have a we have a cocktail extraordinaire
2: here.
1: Although we're talking
2: expert, we're going to talk transportation. And I feel like this is like a funny thing to be talking about both cocktails and transportation Mm -hmm. because usually the never the two shall meet. But I think we're gonna.
1: Well, they're going to meet on uh, on July thirty first when we have scooters.
2: Oh, right! because all yes. the people are going to be ready.
1: And
0: so. I have a cautionary tale about cocktails and bicycles and how they <gasps> do not mix.
1: We have to slightly cover transportation because that was our theme this month. Right. Um, we're going to briefly touch on it. But the far more interesting topic to me is alcohol and whether or not I am also an expert on alcohol because I drink all the time.
0: I, I think that's that's the is that how I become an expert. Uh,
2: no. <laughs> okay. um,
1: so we're here with Diana <laughs> Patet. Yeah. Otherwise known as, briquette. I feel like that's
2: or rhymes was, but rhymes with charcoal briquette. Okay, yeah. there we go.
0: Well, that's what uh, when we were the the first part of our podcast is sort of weekly events, and we had been practicing the rhyming with briquette. And so you're announced officially as as Dana Briquette the first time around. So yeah. apologies. So.
1: so let's just touch a little bit. How long have you been in Asbury, and what brought you here?
2: I've been in Asbury exactly six years, maybe six years and two months, something like that. And actually, Carrie Martin brought me to Asbury Park. Um, And Carrie Martin was going to be on the show today.
1: We talked about it a little more. Apparently, this is the busiest time of year for her. And she needs a lot more notice than I gave her to be on the show.
2: Amy. With Diana. I'm a little more flexible. So I guess I'm still following Carrie Martin's footsteps. You know, she couldn't be here today. So I just stepped on in instead. But yeah, Carrie and I were friends in New York City and sort of bonded over... Bicycles in New York. Uh, she was working at a really cool community bike shop in the East Village in New York City and um, She brought that model here to Asbury Park Um And she moved to this area, and I saw how happy she was being back in New Jersey and how happy she was in Asbury Park. And then when I would come visit her, I'm like, this is a pretty cool little spot. And uh, so when I decided to move back to Jersey, I came here.
1: You came here for Carrie Martin. So I did an article in, I don't know, some magazine, and they were asking why people came to Asbury Park, and they were asking me why I came and I said, you know, you came to Asbury either via a bankruptcy or a breakup because the bankruptcy you could get a place cheap. Mm. Or a breakup you were running from something and trying to figure out what you were going to do. So you were not bankruptcy or breakup?
2: No. Um, maybe I had a breakup with New York City.
1: Okay. All right. Then we'll um, put in the breakup category.
2: Yeah. Again. You know, it's like uh, I am... From Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey, I spend most of my life living here in Jersey, but native New Yorker, born in New York City, and sort of joke sometimes that if I were a turtle, I'd have to go back to New York to lay my eggs. So, you know, <laughs> so there's, a, there's always that pull to, to New York City. But you know, once you leave New York, like New York doesn't want you back. So it's like, where am I going to go? And uh, Asbury just sort of like ticks all the boxes without being sort of overwhelming or um, super expensive. And there's just a great place to create community as well.
1: And you're carless.
2: Yes, I'm carless. Yeah, I've been carless for 10 years. So actually, I moved back to the New Jersey area exactly 10 years ago, August. I had been living in New York, then went traveling abroad for 10 months, came back and decided to um, live a car-free life. It doesn't mean I don't ever get into a car or borrow a car or take a lift or anything like that, but basically no car ownership for... Uh, 10 years here in New Jersey.
1: And then you keep your license going.
2: Though. Yeah. Cause I got a drink. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I, that's the second guest in a row that is carless. So Mike oh, is Ma- also Manzella's carless. carless. I think, I mean, that's an aspirational goal for me. You know, um, I love cars and motors, but I'm also would like to get rid of my car. You know, on the one hand, it's a sort of this you know, agent of Liberty. You can drive wherever you want, but you're also trapped by, Oh it. yeah. you know, um, <clears throat> when my parents retired, I wanted them to move back to New York because they lived in a place, as they got older and less capable of driving, that was like, you had to drive five miles just to get a newspaper, and it, that didn't seem healthy. Right? So maybe as I get older,
2: get rid of the I car. would
1: like to be carless, too, but I got to tell you, with a kid, and Carrie and, um, Martin does it because I don't believe Carrie Martin has a car.
2: Oh, she has a car.
1: Oh, thank God, because yeah. I was going to be like, oh, Carrie Martin does it. But you can't, honestly, I'm not sure you can be carless without a kid.
2: Yeah, maybe like in Amsterdam you can. Or you know you could, but it does, you know, it's a, it is a rather anti-social way of being. When I say anti-social, meaning you're just like not the norm. And you run the risk sometimes of being like the the freak on the bike going everywhere. You know, like me going to the grocery store, like the Wicked Witch of the East, you know, dee, 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 dee on my bike. Um, so you could do it, but it just like gets a little... Do you ride Difficult. out to
0: Wegmans and things
2: like uh, that? Uh, are we are we doing plugs of local stores on oh, the no, show? Oh no, no, i just I was <laughs> like
0: a, a gross, nearby grocery store. That no, I,
2: I go to Dean's, and I used to uh, work at a cheese shop mm. um, up in Red Bank and Little Silver, and I would yeah. ride my bike up there and back. Load up and my you bike the with back cheese.
1: Way to Dean's, I guess. Right? You don't. Yes. No. Day,
2: God. Eight, yeah. No. Yeah. There's you. You know. You learn the roads to avoid when you have a bicycle.
1: And what's the worst time of year to ride a bicycle?
2: Oh, let's see. See, I think all times of year is a good time to ride a bicycle. Um, let's see, the worst time—I mean, the winter because of ice. I get where I don't. I'm not put off by the cold, and I'll ride in really frigid, maybe even dangerously cold temperatures. But once there's ice and snow on the road, you know, forget it because it's dangerous to you. It freaks out drivers, um, and so I take yeah, we'll take public transport instead, or take an Uber, or you know, beg a friend to take me somewhere. And you know, the scoot- we have scooters coming. Are you pro or against? You know, I haven't actually thought much about it. I guess uh, for me, who's sort of old fashioned in liking to propel my own bicycle or my own vehicle, as scooters seem a little bit of a uh, cop out to me because I'm just like, a, yeah, I'm a little stubborn in that way. But also scooters do freak me out uh, because I remember traveling in Laos and backpackery kids would often rent scooters and they'd also be high as kites because one of the attractive reasons for these folks going to Laos is because you can get opium and things like that. So they'd just be so shit-faced and a lot of them would have like lethal accidents. So, you know, it's hard. You can have a lethal accident on a bicycle for sure, but once you have uh
0: Amy's face just went. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Skip the scooter question. Amy. We're going to cut that part. Skip
2: out. the scooter question. <laughs> 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 well, what? You, what, what uh, can I? What? What's the main? Well, we, we brought it up. So, what is the main attraction to bring scooters in? It really was, is the hope that people leave cars behind.
1: It's the hope that people leave leave cars behind, mm. and it's also really interesting. It's a different demographic of people who ride bikes. Mm. So there is a demographic of people who in this town who don't ride bikes or never learned how to ride a bike, and and what the studies show is they will jump on a scooter quicker oh, right. than they'll jump on a bike, mm. and it's it's relatively cheap. cheap. So in terms of like one round trip, we're thinking it's going to cost people between three bucks, about three bucks, three to five bucks, I think Mike said. Um, I don't know. So the scooter is launching on the 31st in Asbury, but people have been um, extremely passionate about it one way or the other. Mm. Um, And so that's why we've just kind of been taking Um, taking people's opinion on it. Complete Streets, though, Mm -hmm. uh, has been so supportive of it. So kudos to Complete Streets and Doug and Polly um, on the scooters. But the city's always looking for ways to bring people here via not a car. Because as much as everybody wants us to build parking decks all over, we don't. We don't
2: want to do that. Um, You know, for me, uh, what I would love is if New Jersey Transit would have more trains that went to Asbury Park. Absolutely. That drives me nuts that there's so many trains that terminate or originate in long branch i'm like you know asbury park to city like come on um we need more trains coming to this area and i know there's sort of like stigma sometimes of taking public transport but i mean it's so easy if you like live somewhere and get the train here we're only we're a city only a mile by a mile or so right so and now there's scooters for you when you arrive at the train station just uh yeah bring more trains down here don't cut them And the concern basically, obviously, is the drunks, which maybe Mm. we can get into your other job.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And so we are actually shutting the scooters down at nine because of the drunks in Asbury Park.
0: And, you know, there's also other towns have had negative experiences with. With that, so that seems so learning so trying to cut that off in advance, mm-hmm. right? Yeah,
1: this is a pilot, so we, you know, Manzella and I went to Hoboken for hours, and and we're, we're the second municipality in the state of New Jersey to ask, get scooters. But- yeah, so we have been figuring out ways to try to make this more successful, right? right? Or make it as successful. Ho- Hoboken's been great, and the interesting thing in Hoboken, and and this is going to be surprising, is there is also a demographic of um, older people who prefer scooters
2: two bikes right yeah again because uh you know you sweat when you bike yeah when you're in a scooter you just have the wind blowing through your hair Mm -hmm. so uh yeah i can see i can see that so we saw a lot of older people truly on scooters in hoboken
0: interesting yeah i think that makes sense Um, mobility and i think the long-term goal is even if people do bring a car to asbury they don't need to keep moving it in other right. words, so you can go from mm-hmm. the, the, the boardwalk to Cookman to Main Street and back, leaving the car in one spot instead of just keep continually getting back into traffic and circling, circling, circling. So.
2: And you you said people are passionate one side or the other about the issue. Like, I guess I'm pretty neutral because we're just at a crisis with transport, right? There's just too many cars on the road, not enough parking places. Also, people need to exercise more, right? Mm. All these uh, different issues. And so like just might as well try it and see what happens and i would um give you know give kudos to the council that i think you all do all your research and do what you you know you do your homework and then if it doesn't work you'll also admit it and do something else and if it does work then you support it and keeps going so like we, i think we have to try we yeah to
1: i think we're a good council that way and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that none of us have political aspirations. Mm. So if you have political aspirations, your shit needs to be successful, right? For you to move up kind of that ladder. And I think because the five of us are like, I don't really give a shit about being a state senator or assembly Mm -hmm. person. We can just be like, we tried this, it it worked and it's amazing. Or we tried this, it worked and it sucked.
0: Well, I I think that's a good experiment in pragmatic governance. Like, this is a problem, we're going to try this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I also like what you said about we have a crisis in transportation. People from... Friends of mine from out of state, you know, like, why don't you leave New Jersey? And the only thing that would drive me out there, like, it's the taxes. I'm like, no, I don't mind taxes so much. It's the cars. Every time I get stuck in 287, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is kind of an insanity. Like, you know, it's it's I'm trapped for hours to go to Somerset County or something like that. And I think, um, you know, or whenever I go on vacation and come back. And as soon as we hit the parkway, you know, the traffic builds. And I'm like, this yeah. is the yeah. thing that drives me crazy can't get anywhere without i'd rather sit in a train than just sit
2: we can read you know i'm struggling
0: not to fall asleep being an hour in the traffic and uh burning up all this gas and that's the thing that gets my blood pressure through the roof and you know um but i you know you know i don't know how to fix that per se but uh, it is cars um love them, and also hate them. Yeah, I
2: mean, it's issue. And then I think about all the constructions that's going around in our areas. I'm thinking in particular, I don't know, the fancy high-rises going up in Long Branch. And so people lament maybe just what's happening there with beach access and whatnot. But I think, my first thing that comes to my head is like, this is really dense living and everybody who can afford one of those places is going to have at least one car per person in mm-hmm. that place so even if it's like an elderly couple who move in they'll each have their own car maybe even another one and it's just like three more cars on the road for like each unit that's in there it's just like so many cars um, and it leads to that feeling that you have on 287
0: well even well, even Long Branch I mean Long yeah. Branch separates its downtown from the beachfront by four lanes of road So are we enough, ever talking
1: about alcohol oh, oh
0: <laughs> yes we are
1: so at some point, point, this is so boring alcohol, right? let's talk Jesus about alcohol Christ. one thing about
0: bicycles so you know to, yeah, cause, so, to wake up the people the, the people out there so uh, you know riding bicycles around is a is a great Asbury's a great rideable city but I think yep. the problem you face is when you try to get out and I often see people on their and it's not because there's no demand uh, the design is not set up for bicycles I see people riding their bikes in the 35 circle Oof. all the time Oof. and I am terrified on their behalf I
2: know
0: uh, because there's no Space for them. They're riding the wrong way. They're riding in, They're riding on both shoulders because there's no cl- designated space. So they're yeah. riding where they feel safest. But as a as a driver, I'm I have a panic attack yeah. every time I come near them. So there is a, so you know, bicycles for towns like Asbury, great. And the, but the system is not designed. The infrastructure right. is not designed to spread out. Um, you know, if you want to go to Target. You're, it's a str- you know, stressful drive, right? right. And it's not that far away. That's a rideable distance uh, on a bike. So, there's a l- long way to go on the carriage. So. <clears throat>
2: Can Maybe. I just say, I'll say one more thing before I get to alcohol, which is so much more exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, is, uh, you know, like, I'm not totally anti-car. I just, um, you know, I ride my bike. I'm committed to riding my bicycle just to remind people, like, you don't always need to take your car somewhere. Like, yeah, like, if you have a child or if you're doing a big grocery shop or the roads where you're going to go are sort of too dangerous for a bicycle, like, you know, like the the jug handles on 35, yeah, you're going to need your car, and I rely on the kindness of friends oftentimes and Surfrider when we do runs, the storage run in Belmar. Like, I can't bring all that stuff on my bike. Um, but just to remind you, like, think twice. Do you really need to get in your car? Can you do, Can you know, can you ride your bike? Or now with scooters, can you take a scooter or your skateboard or something like that?
0: Well, these last conversations with uh, with you and then last lastly with Mike have inspired me to get a big old basket for my car, my bicycle, sorry. Because today, like a big hypocrite, I drove my car over because I had to carry all this equipment, and I was right. like, "Well, if I had like a milk carton I'll attached show you, to my, I'll rack- show you mine. I have these yeah.
2: grocery, I have these grocery panniers, which are awesome. They're open and they clip on, and then you, they have straps, and, they, and I, I put watermelons in them, six yeah. packs of, I put cases of beer in there. It's a good segue, uh, cases yeah. of beer in there, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so they're cool.
1: So So both this podcast and the Asbury Park Women's Convention were started because I got drunk and had an idea with whoever I was around. Mm -hmm. And then the next day had to piece together what that idea was (laughs) when people followed up and were like, are we doing this podcast? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I say all that to say you are an expert on alcohol.
2: I am. Okay.
1: Tell me what that means. Oh, yeah. And why
2: aren't I one? Good question. Um... Well, why aren't you one? Let's see what I... Well, why... why how, what makes me an uh, alcohol expert? Well, I joke that I'm a professional drinker. Um, and... How do
1: I be a professional drinker?
2: Just keep practicing, Amy, okay. and I think you can get there one day. <laughs> right. Aspirations. <goals. laughs> yeah. I mean, dream big, Amy. Because um, <laughs> uh, I look at... I'm looking at all these different aspects of alcohol. I'm looking at its history. I teach a class at New York University, a graduate seminar on the history, culture, and politics of drinking. I'm looking at humans... Intera- human... Uh, uh, the human relationship with alcohol for 9,000 years, or at least 9,000 years, and looking at all the ways that um, humans' complicated relationship with alcohol gets expressed. Um, so, I think I'm an expert because looking at all the multifaceted aspects of alcohol, but then I also have a cocktail catering company, so I also make good craft cocktails and try to teach the good life to folks to say like there's a lot of like a world of flavor out there that's available for you like you don't need to drink vodka clubs all the time and why aren't you an expert? Actually, I don't know. I haven't really given you the alcohol expert test yet, Amy. But uh, All right. but I would say one of the odd things about being a drinker in America is that we don't really, as we know, have like a sort of a historical drinking culture. I mean, Americans have always just drunk a lot. I mean, that's from <sighs> the earliest days. If you can believe it, from the late seventeen hundreds up until about the about eighteen thirty, um, Americans drank. Three times as much as we drink now. I mean, if you can think about it, on Saturday night here in Asbury Park, but then multiply that by three, and it's probably just going to be men because women didn't really go to, weren't uh, allowed to go drink out in public. So Americans have always drunk a lot. Um,
0: Are you talking about recreational drinking or functional? In, in other words, I, I always think about parts of the United States had no potable water, so you would drink like ale or mm-hmm. something like that to prevent it from being uh, so. Like for breakfast, maybe. You know, or, oh, yeah, do you, kids, or do you I mean, mean like... Kids a,
2: would drink cider for breakfast right. or ale for breakfast. And yeah, because the water was polluted. And we always... We seem to focus more on the negative aspects of alcohol. But we forget that, you know, humans have had alcohol for practical reasons for a long time. Because it is more potable than um, dangerously polluted water. Or it's been used for medicine. Or it's been you know used either topically for medicine. Or like if you have a stomach ache or... Whatnot, or I just um, I just came back actually from a cocktail conference. Uh, yes, my life is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was down in New Orleans for a big na- uh, international cocktail conference and somebody pointed out- What does that out- even mean? Uh, what is a cocktail conference? Do you just sit around
1: and drink cocktails?
2: Uh, there are a lot of seminars. There's um, a lot of taste-
1: make good cocktails it's, or pairing
2: it uh it's like the sort of the world of drinking in general it's uh, called tales of the cocktail i think this was the 13th year it's happened and right now across the world and in particular here in the united states we're in this uh, cocktail renaissance and actually sort of this drinking renaissance we've we haven't been drinking this well since the end of Prohibition in terms of the products that are available to us, because don't forget, like, obscure little liqueurs went out or stopped being imported to the United States during Prohibition. Not only now are we getting these things back like maraschino liqueur or creme de violette, um, things mm. like that, Um we have all these yeah all these different products that are available and then also expertise um when the cocktail was actually invented in america and the heyday of the cocktail culture in america was like um, sort of mid eight like uh, like 1830s or so up until world war one slash prohibition and a bartender during that time period went through a two-year apprenticeship program and so there was just a lot of Expertise and know how and sensitivity to flavors and balance and whatnot. And then during Prohibition, that knowledge just ended. You know, professional bartenders couldn't stay in the United States and either, either went to another profession or they would go to London or Paris or Havana and just brought that expertise with them. So only now we kind of getting back our expertise on cocktails, which, you know, we think about, I don't know, you go to Bond street and you Bond street bar and you just get out to take a vodka club. Right. But then, you know, go somewhere like Barrio Costero and get a cocktail there where it's, everything's in balance and, um, Beautifully constructed and whatnot. So we're finally getting back how to make a good cocktail um, as well. Barrio makes a great cocktail. I know. They do.
1: You know who else makes a really good cocktail? Jimmy's. Well, let me say this. Jimmy's makes a great
2: martini. Okay. You know, I've never been to Jimmy's. Oh, my God. I know. Are you guys going to kick me out of Asbury Park? Perhaps. Okay.
1: Um, Jimmy's makes a phenomenal martini. And Watermark just about makes everything very very well
0: the martini uh you know i bartended for about 20 years Mm. uh, in my life and i just i noticed the 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 cocktail renaissance coincided with what i call martini inflation when i first started uh bartending martinis were in glasses like this oh
2: yeah, the v-shapes
0: yeah the little tiny ones Mm. and now if you go to uh watermark you get a a big honking bowl of gin (laughs) for your uh, and so uh, three of those and um, that's quite a lot of booze right. and that's the, one of the interesting side of uh, or not side effects one of the changes i I noticed that used to be uh, the martini was an older person drink mm-hmm. that you kind of like a shot and yep. now it's this luxurious um
2: presentation creation yeah. right it's uh, often I mean as you, uh, you've talked you asked like what do we talk about at the cocktail conference but one of the things that somebody brought up is you know, and this was uh, presented to bartenders to think about, it's like, you know, when somebody's at your bar, chances are there's many reasons why they're there that have nothing to do with the drink, right? Because if you want to just drink, you could just stay at home and drink, you know, wild turkey at home. But you go out because it is all this sort of, you get a beautiful glass, you get the interaction with the bartender, you're out, and watermark, you get that beautiful view um, and whatnot. So... Often, you know, alcohol has very little to do with alcohol. Mm. Um, it has to do with sort of the whole experience. Of being Why, out.
1: when there is an open bar, do I feel the need to drink to such excess? As if I'm never going to have a drink again. Well, I'm the same. It's way like it's like you you didn't put any money down. But you're yeah. not alone. I think everyone is. Oh my god! The, so this podcast.
2: i came, do the same with buffets though too. Like I'm, i cannot be at a what buffet. What is that about? I think it's like a human. We forget because we it's live so in an ridiculous. age of pl- in a, in an age of plenty. But yeah, most of human experience has been want. Right? We don't have enough food. Ever unreliable source of water so when we see a lot of it like w- I think it's just deep in us I can't stop myself there's just so much and I, I better get it now yeah. it's terrible for me to have an open bar yeah. it's, it's terrible it's for
0: not me. you it's everybody I mean the, you're not alone I, think
2: I know you're like, like going on a suicidal mission yeah. it's like I'm gonna drink as much as I can Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. dude what are you doing switch. I know like I just I, for me like those situations I try to like alternate with water it's like okay yeah. we do, you're like there'll be alcohol <laughs> for you tomorrow you know that's
0: like, <laughs> the right. Like, tomorrow, there'll be none more. So,
1: also, because I feel like I have a therapist here who can talk to me about all of my alcohol quirks. Why is it that I get um, nuts on vodka, but gin, I'm, like, mellow as mellow can be? You
2: know, I don't know how to answer these questions. (laughs) Because, you know, really, alcohol is alcohol. Um, And it's surprising you have a different interaction or different reaction to vodka versus gin. Because gin is actually just flavored vodka right people don't really think about it, the way so it's really kind of the same base so i i can't answer you're just quirky amy <laughs> yes. or some people say they get nuts on tequila or other people say i they get, get spicy on tequila yeah i get a little saucy on tequila but um but, yeah. yeah or some people like say they can never drink gin i mean it really is once you get to distilled spirits so i'm not talking about fermented so fermented products are beer and wine and um sake cider so when you to get to distilled stuff it is kind of it's, uh, it's, you it's know, you're getting higher and higher. You're getting closer and closer to, like, proof alcohol. So I don't know why it's having such different effects on people.
0: But you open the door to something uh, that you cover in your class. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference between the, the cultural perceptions of, of different types of alcohol. So beer and wine sort of always sort of accepted. And when uh, spirits have a different perception. And when mm-hmm. spirits of the street, uh, um, gin in particular... Right. Uh, Gin hit the streets of London like a crack epidemic. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there were cartoons and discussions of and you actually have this in your syllabus, too. So mm-hmm. I was like so happy to see that because
2: you you're talking about Hogarth uh, Gin Lane. The right. Best, yeah. But
0: he's also the partner uh, Beer Street. Mm-hmm. So Beer Street so showed happy industrious Britons painting, drinking their mm-hmm. beer and being happy. And Gin Alley or G, um, I forget what it was, uh, you know, uh, Uh, you know, unattended children, people with no teeth, like uh, complete destruction of society based on um, a a spirit. And so... uh, But can
2: I say two things about that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you say it was like a crack epidemic and I often go back... Well, the language of it, like the way it was
0: discussed by the powers, like, you know, it's destroying society.
2: Right. And um, so alcohol often become a scapegoat uh, for different populations. So sort of two things are going on there with gin is... It's the same way that maybe the crack and cocaine epidemic got divided here in the United States. You know, if you're a white businessman in your office in Wall Street doing lines of blow, okay. Nobody but if, cared. If, but if you're black and poor and doing crack, you're a scourge to society and we're going to take measures. Right.
0: The broker doesn't get uh, stopped and frisked.
2: Right. And um, so with the thing with gin in England is that it was a sort of, at this time, um, there was a huge... Movement of people from the rural countryside into London. And so folks who are established in London, they are getting sort of um, anxious about all these rural, uneducated people where there's probably not enough jobs for them. So they're already feeling like this social anxiety. And then, two, the rich can always do things behind closed doors, whether it's Coke or drinking or whatever it is. And you can do it to excess, but no one's going to barge into your living room. But the poorer folks often have to do it in public. Mm. And uh, so that's where it gets sort of threatening um, as well. And then the second thing about gin is that gin was this foreign product, whereas the British pretty much had their domestic um, native fermented products, ale and cider. So here's this sort of also this foreign product, Substance that folks are consuming by kind of like foreign people, meaning the countryside folks there. Right. So it, then it got all sort of blown out of proportion.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. That's that's a great. Um, uh, and
2: great actually, that, and, and actually, that's and that's what led to sort of prohibition in the United States too. Yeah. Um, that prohibition, believe it or not, the United States had very little to do with drinking. It was about controlling this influx of immigrants into the United States, mainly like Germans and Italians and the Irish. Um, And there was this idea like if only they didn't drink so much that society would be better. So it's a way to control them. Uh, because the folks who were wanting Prohibition to be passed, they were often drinkers themselves. But, mm-hmm. you know, they did it the right way.
0: Prohibition was a progressive movement at the time, right?
2: Um, that was one element of it. Mm-hmm. It was also a huge anti-immigration um, movement as well. I had no idea. This yeah. is all, like, fascinating news to See, me. See, alcohol is fascinating. It is You're fascinating. You're on your way to become an alcohol expert, Amy. Um, well, my and- mom will be proud. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because um, the, the, we know about the Women's Christians Temperance Union who were moving towards temperance and then ultimately prohibition. And so, you know, prohibition was definitely a sort of a women's movement because it, um, it was before right. women had the right to vote. And so it was a way for women to be uh, politically active in an acceptable way. And also, like, you know, women were suffering the, suffering the harms of alcohol abuse by men, you know, whether... Um, they were physically assaulted, or their husbands were spending all their money on alcohol, whatever it is. And so they wanted to control this truly social problem. Because as I said, at this time, consumption of alcohol in the United States was like three times what it is now. So I mean, it was definitely a problem. So it was a way for women to get involved. But then the group that really got prohibition passed was the Anti-Saloon League. And they they were revolutionary. They're the kind of like the model of the NRA, that they were a single um, focused, political organization they didn't care what party a politician was in as long as he uh was mm. against the saloon and wanted prohibition it didn't matter just like with the nra it's just like the it's single topic and why did yeah.
1: they want to be why did they want to shut down saloons
2: because it was an anti-immigration oh the okay yes right, right. because saloons were in most cities they were geared towards um the immigrant working class so there would be you know a saloon for the irish workers and ones for the italians and the germans and whatnot and, and um as I mentioned before, you know, these groups are going to be drinking publicly. So they would be getting shit-faced and then spilling out into the streets from the saloons. And uh, the Anti-Saloon League really wanted to clean it up. Huge anti-Catholic movement as well. We free-
0: No-Nothings. No
2: yeah, um, as well. And uh, so, again, there was this idea that if we could control them we can control the immigrants but there was also a progressive movement in it as well in new york city right that alcohol is a problem and if we could only rise above it imagine this beautiful perfect society we'd all be in and that's how it was able to sort of be passed in new york city is that the progressives got um involved in it
0: well it makes sense like coming from irish immigrant my you know um ancestors like in you know, the coal mining towns up near scranton and, and uh, uh drunk coal miners were a problem Mm -hmm. for the women and their children when they came home right so it's not it was not a non-problem perhaps the remedy was not a little draconian that right. right and so also
2: the industrialists think, as well were pro um, prohibition as well because if you have a sober workforce like think about how much more efficient your workforce would be less, and more and more money yeah, yeah
0: less accidents too.
2: Yeah. yeah oh accidents who cares i just want money right, you know. right they
0: didn't mind if you died as long as you didn't inconvenience the, the machine right right
1: when you're
2: going out favorite cocktail
1: that you order at a bar and does it depend on where you're going
2: uh oh yeah it depends on where i'm going you know, okay. especially around town i got my favorite cocktail okay give us place. your top three in town Top three in town. Oh, the um, at Barrio Costero. It's the, the, um, the Mazer, no, the Meserec. Mes- basically it's basically a Sazerac with Mezcal. I just think it's an exquisite cocktail. Barrio
1: does such a great cocktail. They do another one that has Old Bay in it that I'm drawing a blank on oh, its name. Oh, I can't remember either. Oh, it's amazing. It's right. truly amazing. It's a tequila drink.
2: Uh, and then let's see here. Calyps- Calypso Burning. Woo. Oh, there we oh, go. It comes good. back every oh, wow. so often. Wow. That is an amazing drink at Barrio. Okay. Oh, I'll have to add that one to my list. And uh, let's see here. Oh, you he put me on the spot. Um, and let's see, I, I love at the distillery, they do a gin old fashion, which is really I good. I love old fashions. And then if I go to Tallulah, it's just whatever Paul Cech makes for me. He's, my, he's actually my business partner um, in the cocktail catering company that I have. So I'm always put myself in his hands. He does a great one called Savile Row, which is a, sort of kind of like a barrel-aged Manhattan, which is really good. When my sister and I go out, we order wine
1: that a wine I really like but have no idea how to pronounce and we say it really really fast because we don't know how to right. pronounce it so we say Sauvignon Blanc. That's about and right. For, and for whatever reason a bartender you knows what we want but mm. we're just too embarrassed to say it slowly because we don't have a clue on how to say it.
2: I think you said it right. I would say Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah there you Sauvignon go. Blanc. And, and then more nasally you make it. The I better. might have you record that and then right. when I and go to a like, bar I'll like just a play a, it. Dee-
0: you shouldn't yeah. be ashamed of that you know, in all the years I've I the, num- the number so of people at, the number of people asked for a savage non-blank <laughs> Is very high, <laughs> you know, with the fillet mignon. Well, you know? and we then,
1: at least are shameful.
0: We don't right. know how to say it. Well, they're they, usually it's a person who adopts an air of like authority, like they really know what they're doing. Like, yeah. You know, honey, let me do the ordering. Mm-hmm. We'll have a couple, you know, two savage lags, <laughs> And that is not, I, it ha, the the number of times it happened just boggled my mind. I was like, I guess, well, you know, I never spoke French either. So what am I yeah, feeling? Why do I, I, I feel know. superior about this? The You're first right. time I did, I'm sure I was like, I don't know what this is. So I, right. Uh, but it is a, it, it, it's, you know you have to control your face when someone
2: yeah does, well know. for me i actually my real background is as a, as a cheese monger so i still get people who ask for manchengo, which it's, it's manchego mm-hmm. and manchengo sounds like a new dance you know yes. let's do the manchingo that could
0: be a cocktail too yeah, you, you know get the barrio people on that
1: cheese or wine which is your favorite if you could only have one for the rest of your life cheese or
2: wine oh cheese cheese me yeah. too yeah yeah actually you know i don't know a lot about wine if i'm allowed to say and i think and i think people are surprised because i do have this background in cheese And then if we wanna talk a little bit about gender, um, because if I say I'm an alcohol expert, most people, I'll I'll say to people, yeah, I I work with like cocktails and beer. And they're like, oh, you know a lot about wine? And I'm like, I didn't say anything about (laughs) wine. Mm. Um, And I think it's like this slightly gendered response, like you know, a woman should know a lot about whiskey or beer. Um, But then also I think people just don't really understand the sort of the three or the two main categories of alcohol, you know, ferments and distillates. yeah, to you i'm more in the distillate category
1: so uh this question came in if you could only drink zima as your alcoholic beverage or go on the parking committee mm-hmm. do you know how bad the parking committee is it is the only committee you know i've ever zima quit is? in my life because oh, wow. people
2: hate your guts on the parking committee right hate your guts
0: what if you had the zima with chambord
2: well, how about this? If I go in the parking committee, can I also have a Zima Chaser if I went in the parking committee? Meaning like, cause we'll I'm allow sure- it. We'll allow it. Yeah, cause I feel like if I went in the parking committee, I probably would just be reduced to whatever I need to drink afterwards. Yeah. But but you know, I mean, the part of me, like the good part of me, wants to say I'd be on the parking committee. But you do know, you want to be on the parking committee? I mean, I'm terrified of oh. being hated. We'll That's put you. I, I'll put you on Wednesday.
1: And Wednesday. We'll assign you Wednesday to the parking committee yeah. if you want to be on it. You're now the commissioner. Oh. Um,
2: Manziel and Moore will be so happy.
0: Is Zima, is Zima still a thing? Is it no? Is it yeah. still a product? Meaning? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah you think can still Zima, buy it. I, I think did I, it come back?
2: Uh, I think it's around. i like, um, I should know this, but there's also this joke around bartenders they ice one another. So I think they they'll like you'll go to a bar and you're a bartender and you're like i'm gonna ice you and then they have to chug a zima i think it is oh no it's a smear enough, smear enough ice. ice yes yeah. i think there used to be a zima rend- uh, version of it too
0: yeah i oh. i don't remember i just remember when zima was the rage of, but the the classy way would be ordering the zima with shamboard. So oh so you'd put a I i shun- didn't know
2: there was a classy way to have zima mm-hmm.
0: small c okay
1: <laughs> <laughs> um favorite high school drink what did you drink in high school? Oh, I think crappy beer. Oh, I did. Is it called Mike Aid? Remember that? Oh, that peach lemonade? wine.
2: Sorry, no. But you know what it would be? Mike's
1: lemonade. Mike's lemonade.
2: Yeah, no. I was the age of peach wine coolers. Oh, yeah. who
1: didn't love wine coolers?
2: Yeah, yeah. they're so
0: nasty. Yeah, I didn't yeah. drink in high school. I was an overly serious child. Yeah. Oh, which is why I went bananas in college. Which was mm-hmm. the, you made up for lost time. Oh my God, mm-hmm. I drank everything.
2: Um, All four years
0: yes okay oh no six thank you i was on the six-year plan
2: well actually i mean i wasn't all that different because i went to i went to boarding school and if you got caught drinking you know you got in big trouble and i was like i knew it just wouldn't be worth it yeah so you
1: didn't drink till college either
2: well i would drink you know in the summertime times at home Hmm. peach wine coolers all the way yeah and then crappy beer but no i smoked more i smoked more than i drank i would say
1: I was never a pot smoker because you know what? I get so paranoid the few times I've done it. Yeah. So paranoid. Like I'm putting things in the door of my house, like to make yeah. sure the smell doesn't come out. You know, yes. it's like, it's just, it isn't worth it. Heather. And then Heather and I both like rev each other up. We, yes, yeah. Right. It, it's a, it's a horrifying experience. So I wanted to, I should drink vodka before I smoke pot.
0: Oh. You could. Because you're non-paranoid on vodka?
1: I'm not paranoid on vodka. I just get mean on vodka. Uh-oh. Oh.
2: Yeah, so, you, so we have a paranoid, so you become a paranoid mean person. All oh right, my I, God. Dude, I I wanna, be I'm not going to be invited to your party. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to
0: um, defend uh, wine coolers. For okay. okay. So I, I always looked down on them for, for years. Like So I had you know, bartending, uh, wine coolers, Bartles and James, you know, an abomination. So then yeah. I went to graduate school in Virginia um, where it's hot very hot and my friends you know in virginia i'd go to the refrigerator and it would be full of wine coolers and i I was like what you know it was hot like today all the time and um i tried really hard to keep up my goodness habit but it doesn't work in that hot weather and i remember all right i'm gonna break my tradition i grabbed one of those wine coolers it was the greatest thing i ever had in my Hmm. life the sugar the, the bubbles with the heat it makes sense and suddenly all those sweet drinks um the, the mint juleps, all of that stuff is like, oh, I became like a sugar, sugary drink person. Hmm. Um, anyway, that's my wine cooler story.
1: Yeah. And we are hitting. So as those uh, those of our f- f- nine listeners uh, know, we we tape in words and we're getting close to 11 o'clock oh, and no. have to, I got to get a couple questions that we ask everybody mm-hmm. on and by everybody. Mm-hmm. The- Three, three or four people we met on so one we have a, have had a lengthy discussion about assless chaps mm. um I, m- I mean, why most, wouldn't you yeah <laughs> right I feel like oh my god Diana yes I could talk about assless chaps day in day out can you ride them on your
2: bike and will you or have you ever Well, first, I don't own a pair. Okay. Um,
0: I can lend you mine.
2: Okay. Thank you. Very generous. Thank Mm. you. (laughs) You know, oh, but I know people find bike seats uncomfortable enough to begin with, even with ass full chaps, I would say. Um... So I can't imagine the discomfort wearing. It. I think you'd have to like ride out of your seat the whole time, you yeah, know, just like. I think up. so too. Yeah, and I also just like, mm, can yeah. we work on bringing them back on bikes? Assless chaps yeah. yeah. were
0: they ever a thing in the first place? Well,
1: I don't. They should have
2: been if they weren't.
0: Right. Yeah, I
2: mean, doing? it would be it'd be like yeah, it would be a look, and you know, you get there faster in your assless chaps. I think you actually you would have to ride out of your seat, not only for like sanitary reasons and for like comfort reasons, but like the whole point of assless chaps is to like represent and show, right? So if you're you're sitting on your bike, how much are you showing? You got to be like out of the saddle, (laughs) man, just like
0: you'd have the wind at your back for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. And our last question is always thoughts on the 2020 presidential election. Hmm. Oh, uh,
2: That's a good response right there. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, I'm so terrified. You know, there's still PTSD from 2016. Yeah. Um, And so it's just like, yeah. I'm still like, I'm actually still have it uh, post-traumatic stress from when um, Carrie and W were running against each other. And I remember thinking like, you got it. I went door to door in Scranton, actually, getting people to try to vote for Carrie. And then we still voted for W um so i'm just like i'm just terrified of 2020 to tell you the truth i think we're all terrified i'm like because i because it's our i feel like um princess leia in you know talking to obi-wan kenobi like 2020 you are only hope mm. but um <laughs> uh but i just i'm fearful that you know 2020 isn't going to rescue us that's fair
0: yeah i right i i, I have nothing to say
2: about that. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, I, should, yeah. I should say something more optimistic, but yeah. Well, well on, can I say drinks. that I am
1: like super? I was not a big Elizabeth Warren fan initially. <gasps> yeah. I, and she has managed to, uh, you know, I mean, I'm wearing a Kamala Harris yeah. shirt now because I love both of them and will support both of them in any capacity. But um, she has completely and utterly won me over in every capacity did you
2: read the New York Times profile of her I did oh my god that really rocked me and so my thing is I want Kamala and then I want um, Warren to be in her cabinet because I think Warren is so good with policy and like knows the nitty gritty and I think Kamala is like the one who's like She's just, like, with the people and can relate, and she's funny. Um, And uh, so I think Warren could be in the background doing a lot of good policy work for her. So that's my sort of feeling. Yeah, so I'm
1: with you on that, although I would take them both as president and vice president in either capacity. And you know my wife is still holding out hope so strongly for Gillibrand. We have, like, numerous shirts. I just feel like I'm not sure she's making it. Mm. I'm not sure she's making the cut. And what's the
2: attraction of Gillibrand for Heather? So
1: I think she loves the fact that Gillibrand – talks about being a feminist Mm. in every interview she ever does and talks about running as a woman whereas some of the other candidates um i don't want to say don't talk about it but it is like front and center on Mm. gillibrand's uh uh campaign and and not and she's done an amazing thing uh for sexual assault far far earlier than when it was trendy to be Mm. such a huge um, supporters of victims of sexual assault in in the military. And um, there's a host of reasons, but I think the idea, and I I don't want to speak for Heather, but I think the idea that being a feminist and being a woman is the forefront of her campaign is extremely appealing to Heather, as opposed to kind of, I don't want to say playing it down, but not like just being really upfront about it. So anyway, we make monthly donations mm. and hope that she's in the game.
2: All right. Do you get per you get thank you cards back?
1: Sometimes. Sometimes we get thank you, depending on the amount. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we go if we've if we've been out drinking, then that amount <laughs> is like fifteen dollars. And if we haven't, it's like fifty. Right. So we are gonna pack it up because Jan has to open her store. Yeah, please come out to servers, work. Right? Yes. Everybody please support Jan who is coming in the mornings tolerating me and Joe and this podcast and now Ed. Hey Ed. Hey Ed. Yeah.
0: Ed's waving. Um, yeah, Ed and I are in here futzing around rather early. So hopefully, um, yeah, please come to words. Books are good. Yep. It's mm-hmm. a nice
2: space. Thank you, Diana. A technology that works.
0: And the air conditioning is very nice today. So uh, in here. Playing.
2: Well, thanks so much for having me on. This was a great way to start a Saturday. So thank you.
0: Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, it was really um, fun to talk to you.
2: Yeah. Good.
0: Right? So we are done.